Take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 22. And I'm just going to speak about faith, the test of faith. Uh, sometimes we're tested in our faith. We're tested in, our, in the things that we uh, have in our life. It might be uh, physical. It might be mental. It might be spiritual. It might be uh, financial. Uh, there's a lot of tests that we have in life. And, you know, God brings us through all those kind of things. But here Abraham in chapter 22 of Genesis and verse 1, he tells us what Abraham, about Abraham. And I'm thankful for the testimony of Abraham because he, he was one that uh, represents to me a missionary that went to a foreign country, left his homeland, uh, didn't know where he was going, basically, but God sent him out and told him where to go and led him step by step. So in uh, Genesis 22, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee in the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave, uh, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder, and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son, and took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham and his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, uh, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide him a, a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar uh, upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay him, slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, uh, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this, to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We see the test of Abraham here. He <clears throat> had uh, been already told to go out of his own land and leave, uh, go to a certain area, went to that area, and then God asked him to do something special, to offer up his son as a sacrifice. So the test of faith, I hope that we can pass a, the test of faith today in our lives, each and every one of us. It's not just uh, for missionaries or pastors or special people, but each and every one of us have a, a test of faith in our life, I'm sure, uh, day by day, that we might... Uh, Live for the Lord and do what's right. And, and you know, have, have, do the things that God has commanded us to do. Uh, get out and be busy for God. Be active for God. Uh, do things that God wants us to be doing and not the things of the world, but the things of God. And as we look to the Lord uh, day by day, he can help us with our faith and he can strengthen our faith. Let's bow forward a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this, this evening. I pray, Lord, that you just guide and direct in all things that we might uh, bring honor and glory to you, for this is what the service is all about, not uh, anything we can do or say, but what God has done and what God can do. And Lord, I thank you for just all things that he's done for us over the years. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your pastor, Gilbert, and his family. I pray that you bless them and 
I pray that you just continue to watch care over in all things that we might glorify you. We thank you for providing for, especially for salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross. We can have eternal life, uh, buried, being buried and raised, uh, rose again the third day and now lives in heaven and, and does intercession for us. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you just guide and direct in our lives that we might be drawn closer to you day by day and help us to be strong in our faith, that we might help others, that we might uh, glorify you and that others, uh, through others, uh, through us, others might come to Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done. God, and direct in all, all things. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen. Abraham waited for a long time to have a son. He was 100 years old when the son was born. And then uh, God asked him to offer his son as a, a sacrifice when he was a teenager to go and offer his son on the, on the mount. And so Abraham here was uh, being te- tempted, it says, or tested there in uh, verse 1. And God did attempt. Uh, uh, Abraham. It wasn't uh, temptation to do wrong. It was just a, a testing time or period in, in their life to do right. And James, if we turn over there, James tells us all about test temptations and, and trials and testing. And uh, we know that, uh, you know, we are drawn away sometimes in the tests that we have and we do wrong and we sin. But at this point, Abraham was willing to just uh, sacrifice it all for God. Just give everything he had uh, to Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, many times we sin because we're drawn away of the things that we want to do and the things that we desire in our heart, the things that we want to uh, live for and what we stand for and what we do in our life might draw us away and uh, take us into a sinful life. But God, uh, you know, we've had missionaries that have done that and, and been drawn away uh, from the, the work that God's called them to do. And we need to stand true to God and, and be what God wants us to do, uh, to be. It says in verse 14 there, and Abraham called the place of that, uh, the name of that place, uh, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. We can see the hand of God, right? Uh, uh, throughout uh, what uh, the, the ministries there in Japan, and they've been, they were in Japan uh, many years before me, uh, Brother White, and then went in 1965 uh, to Japan, first of all, with BIMI, and uh, started, you know, did some great uh, works back in those days, and uh, we're thankful for them to set the foundation uh, there in Japan and help us uh, as we build upon that uh, foundation and try to establish other works and, and uh, reach other Japanese. But there's a great need throughout the world, and especially uh, those countries that right now are hard to get into, but there's needs all over, and uh, we can use any place. And people don't uh, like to surrender themselves to serving God. They don't like to surrender their kids to God. Uh, they might go away to a far country. Uh, and I know when we went to Japan, uh, we thought, you know, our parents probably won't like it very well, but well, both of our parents were happy and excited that we were going to be missionaries. I said in the men's class this morning, my dad fought in World War II in Burma against the Japanese. But he wanted to go back. He wanted to be a missionary uh, in Burma, but he never was allowed to. He went to, he went to Moody Bible Institute. He went to Northwestern, almost graduated. He never did graduate, but he ended up being a, a layman in the church, a mechanic uh, as, as his job, a diesel mechanic. But uh, he, he was busy all the time, busy working. And, uh, you know, he, he loved the Lord. He wanted to do something. But he was excited about us going uh, to, back over to Japan to, to be a missionary. We were excited, too. We got, uh, you know, as I said, January, we headed out to the airport, got to the airport. And, uh, you know, by faith, we're trusting God's going to get us there because we, we didn't know where we were going or what's going to happen. So uh, we went to the airport. We got there. And uh, we surrendered our tickets, and, and of course there was five of us. You know, we had tons of luggage, and because our kids were little, and you know, we just 
had all kinds of suitcases. I think 10, at least 10 suitcases and carry-on bags. And, uh, you know, you're carrying your baby in a little uh, cart, you know, like a little chair there like that. That's all we had. We, you know, they didn't require, you know, seats, you know, how, well, car seats or nothing like that. So we carried them in a little, little plastic thing. And we got to the airport, and uh, we looked at the guy and gave him our tickets. And we said we're flying to California, and we're supposed to catch a plane from California to Hawaii and Hawaii to, to Japan. He said, uh, I'm sorry to sir- tell you this, sir, but uh, you're, the company you bought their tickets with went bankrupt. <laughs> we're standing there with 10 suitcases, kids, and bags, and we're like, what do you mean they went bankrupt? He said, yeah, you're going to have to buy new tickets to get from here from Cal- here to California. So we didn't have any money. We had a little bit of money we saved up that we are going to use when we got to Japan. And so our parents, you know, everything they had, everything we had, we we bought new tickets to get to California. Then they said you're on standby in California to get to Hawaii. Then when you get to Hawaii, you're on standby to get to, to Japan. So we we flew, we got bought new tickets, uh, trusting God to get us there. We we had no money after that left, and uh, flew into California. Uh, there was a big line of people waiting because they also uh, had the same problem. They got canceled out, and they were waiting on standby to get on a plane to to fly to to uh, Hawaii. And there was a big old line. We were in the end of the line. And all of a sudden, a guy come up to us, and he said, hey, are you the gardeners? I said, yes. He said, well, we got a seat for you guys. So we rushed down the uh, corridor, hopped on the plane, and flew to Hawaii. Same thing, got to Hawaii. It was, you know, you can imagine. We left Minnesota, right? 60 below, wind chill. How many coats we were wearing? You know, your gloves, your hat, your boots, and everything got, the, got there to Hawaii. We're sweating like crazy. I mean, <laughs> carrying coats now, and, and besides all our bags, and Danny, I said, he was two and a half years old, and uh, we had him loaded down, and we were waiting in line again, waiting in a long line, and the, and the guy comes up, and there, he says, there's no more seats. Then all of a sudden, he comes out back, and he says, hey, uh, they, they got seats for you. They opened up. We rushed down the corridor. We're hustling down as fast as we can, and Danny's dragging behind. He said, Dad, I can't go anymore. I can't go anymore. I said, you got to go. Uh, we're going to miss the plane. Uh, so he, he, he got with it, and we pushed him along and got him down the aisle, the corridor there, and finally got on the plane and flew into Japan. But I remember flying in Japan and looking over all the lights in the, at night and how... It was all lit up, and all the people I could realize that were without Christ, and just uh, uh, gave us a, a feeling of urgency to get the gospel out. There were so many people that needed to hear the message, and uh, then we went. They took us to a place that we we're going to stay in there in uh, <clears throat> Sagan. We first of all lived in Iduma City, and then uh, at that place, and we're thankful that God allowed us to go. But by faith, we. We stepped out, and Abraham stepped out of his home country, went to a place, and sometimes we need to do that. It's going to be a, maybe a test of your character, a test of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ, or a test of your obedience to the things of God, or it might be a test in giving. It might be a test in going. It might be a test in uh, just be, being a witness or faithful to church and faithful to God, and it, it could be something like that in your life. Maybe you're being tested at this time. Uh, maybe God is uh, trying you. Maybe it's physical. Uh, it might be something like it might be spiritual. It might be financial. But God's testing you. And you know what? God's going to get you through. God can get you through. I know he can because he's got us through the years. And he's helped us over the years in Japan to, to make it. And God can do it for you. He's done it for me. And I'm thankful for that. 
And if we don't pass the test, you're not going to grow. You're not going to have joy in your heart. I can tell you that. Uh, in Japan, they have a test. When they get out of junior high school, they take a test to get into senior high school. And some of them don't pass. And you think, well, what happens when they don't pass? Some of them don't go on to high school. They don't. They, that's it. They're up to junior high is all that's required in Japan. So if they make it through the ninth grade, basically, what we'd say, uh, they're done. And so then they've got to try to get a job or do something else. But many of them take a test, and then if they fail the test to get into high school, uh, then they, will take, they can go back and they can go to school, uh, night school, to try to brush up on what they need to take the test to try to take it again and try to get into another high school. Uh, some of them make it, some of them don't. Uh, one, of, uh, the, one of the girls in our church, she just took that test, and she was trying to get into a real good high school. So if you get a really good score... Yeah, get in the best high schools. And she got into actually the best high school that we have in Okinawa. <clears throat> and she was real excited about that. But if you don't pass a test, you don't go on. And it's like Christian life. If we don't pass a test, uh, you know, we can't keep going on. And we need to just keep on going on for God and uh, just keep on uh, struggling with things maybe. But uh, God will take care of you. He'll supply your needs. He'll help you with all the different things in your life. And, you know, he said to Abraham, uh, he called him, he said to Abraham, and Abraham said to him here in, in verse 1, here I am, and that's what we need to say as a Christian, right? Here I am, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, if it's to go across the street to be a witness to somebody, or if it's to go across the, the ocean, uh, or whatever it is, uh, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go, I'm willing to do something for you. We can see some things here that are characteristics of what Abraham had, and I think the first thing is that you have to leave, by faith, you have to leave the place of security. Sometimes we're secure, we're content, and we have all things that we need, and we think that we don't need anything else, and then God kind of, you know, interrupts and maybe messes up things that you have plans for. And we got all kinds of plans, but sometimes they don't work out. God wants you to do something else. And so he had to leave the place of security, and we have a place sometimes of security. It said in verse 2, and he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mounds, which I'll tell thee of. And so he said to Abraham, Abraham was probably content. He was satisfied. He, he was a, in a place of security. And all of a sudden, God comes in and says, Abraham, take your son and offer him up. You know, I've thought about that. Would I be willing to give my son up as offering? That'd be hard. That'd be very difficult. But, you know, God asked Abraham to do it, and he was willing he didn't stand there and argue with God. He'd say, God, I'm sorry. This is my only son. You know that. And I'm not giving him up. And a lot of people say that. Uh, this, is my own, this is my life, and I'm not giving it up. This is my son, and I'm not giving him up. This is the, my job, and I'm not giving it up. This is my money, and I'm not giving it up. No. God wants us to give up the place in our life that's taken the place of God and surrender to God and let God take control, and he will. The place of security. Abraham here was going in, in, in another country doing something else. Sometimes we have to leave the place of comfort to serve the Lord. And I'm glad God called me to Japan, not to Africa. <laughs> like Brother Godfrey, I, I, Mr. God, I, I couldn't go over there and eat, you know, termites. <laughs> That's not my idea of food. We got termites in Japan, and I, and I don't like termites. That, that wouldn't be for me. But, you know, God sent him there, and he could handle that. I couldn't. You know, but uh, I'm thankful that people are willing to go where God calls them, right? 
And uh, there's all kinds of different missionaries going to all different kinds of places. Brother Gage is going over there to Iceland, which is Greenland. But, uh, and I could probably do that. I probably can handle that growing up in Minnesota. But God didn't call me there. You know, that, that's not where he called me. But we need to be willing to say, Lord, wherever it is, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to get out there and I'm willing to go. I'm willing to, to be obedient. I'm willing to serve and uh, tell God that we can do something, some things that sometimes we don't think we can do. You know, we have to leave sometimes the place of, that we have as a, a security, a place of security in our life. And sometimes we have to, the next thing would be that we have to leave the, by faith, we have to separate ourselves for, for the Lord. Separate ourselves unto the Lord. It said in verse 4 or 3 there, it says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. And on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Uh, that's, that's the faith to me. Just that statement right there, what he said is faith to me. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. He really believed that God was going to bring his son back with him, even though he was going to offer him up. He had that faith in his life that he knew that God was going to provide. God was going to take care of that need, and God was going to help him. But he had to separate himself. Remember, he had a, a nephew, Lot. And Lot chose the way of the world, and Lot chose to separate himself, and he separated from Lot because Lot wasn't a good Christian because Lot didn't want to do what was right. He didn't want to do anything that that was uh, happening in his life, and so he wanted to serve the devil and go the devil's way, and Abraham said, no, we can't. We have to separate, and sometimes you have to separate from family to do some things for God. Sometimes you have to separate yourself from other Christians who aren't really uh, serving God like they should be serving God and the way that you want to serve God and the way you want to go forward to God. God had a, uh, Abraham had to separate himself a lot because of some of the things that were going on in his life. And, you know, it, a lot, it says that Lot was a Christian. It says that in the New Testament, a righteous Lot, righteous Lot vexed his soul with unrighteousness. He didn't do the things that God wanted him to do. And sometimes we need to separate ourselves because we're uh, following the things of the world or people that we know are or we're getting farther away from God and we need to connect again with serving God and doing what God wants us to do and as a Christian we need to sometimes separate ourselves unto serving the Lord and serving and doing what God wants us to do and you know it's hard sometimes but we need to do that now, you probably you know all the story about William Borden but some of the things I read about him uh, is amazing to me as I read about uh, his life and I look at it uh, when he graduated from high school in 1909 and he, his parents gave him a trip around the world uh, to visit the world at 16 years old, uh, sending your kid around the world on a ship, well, that would be quite the deal, wouldn't it? Sent him around the world, he got a burden for the people of the world and especially those in China, uh, the Muslim-speaking people in China, and uh, that was his burden. And so as he went around the world and he, he traveled, he wrote back to his family and one of his friends, he wrote back to one of his friends, he ex- he expressed to his friend that God, he believed that God was calling him to be a missionary. His friend wrote back to him and he said this. He said, in disbelief, he said, you're throwing yourself away as a missionary. He said that to him. That was when he wrote, no reserves. No reserves. You're throwing yourself away as a missionary. I'll tell you right now, if you're a missionary, you're not throwing yourself away as a missionary. 
If you're serving God, it doesn't matter if you're a missionary in America to people across the street. You're not throwing your life away. And God has, will use you, and he'll bless you. He'll take care of you. He'll supply your needs. And uh, that didn't bother him at all. He just said, that's the way it is. I'm going to be a missionary. Uh, the man had, uh, you know, the Borden uh, fortune. He had all the money that he ever, anybody ever wanted. He could do anything he wanted to do, but yet he wanted to be a, a missionary. And so he studied and graduated uh, from Yale and then Princeton, and he went on his way. And even though he was a minist- uh, missionary, I mean, uh, even though he was a millionaire, his first and foremost idea in his mind was to serve the Father in heaven. That's what his goal was. I want to serve God. It doesn't matter what anybody else has. I'm, I'm willing to do that. And so he went about serving upon graduation that says that uh, he was offered some high-paying jobs, but he turned them all down. He wrote in his Bible, again, no retreats. So no regrets, no retreats, uh, no reserves, no retreats. And then he went on <clears throat> to finish his studies at Princeton, sailed for China. On his way to China, he had to stop at uh, Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, he had to study the Arabic language because he was going to be able to speak to the Muslims in China. When he got there, he ended up then with uh, contact, contracting a disease there, meningitis, spinal meningitis. At 25 years old, he was dead. Never did make it China. But because of his testimony and because of his family, that news was spread all over the world, and, and lots of people became missionaries, and lots of people surrendered themselves to God. But they said in his Bible at that point, then he wrote, he had written before he passed away, no regrets, no regrets. They said that they wrote, Mrs. Taylor wrote an introduction to his biography, and it said this in there, Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself. In a way, so joyous and natural, that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. A privilege rather than a sacrifice. And that's what it is. It's a privilege. I, you know, I, t- I told my kids from day one, I, it's not a sacrifice to be a missionary. And I, I tried to keep them from being discouraged and down about being a missionary and having to be away from their family and their grandparents and all that. But it was a privilege to be a, a missionary. We got to do things nobody else got to do. You got to go to a foreign country. You learn another language. They're both all bilingual. Uh, they got a lot of privileges. We never went on vacation. Well, that's what they tell me anyway. Uh, I, I always thought vacation was coming home on furlough. <laughs> that was vacation to me. <laughs> Brother Godfrey shaking his head. No, that's not it. I still didn't get it, I guess. Uh, you know, you go, well, we get to see all kinds of stuff. That's kind of vacation, isn't it? Not to them, it wasn't, but. Uh, you know, we need, we, we're privileged to be missionaries. I, I really believe that. We're privileged. And I'm thankful that we can be missionaries and serving God. And, and so as we travel on, and we have to separate ourselves. He had to separate. Borden had to separate himself from his friends. They were Christians, but they thought he was throwing his life away as a missionary. We're not throwing our life away serving God. We need to say, Lord, I want to separate myself unto you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be faithful in serving God and doing uh, things that God has called me to do. The, the third thing is that by faith, uh, we need to give our heart to God. By faith, give your heart to God. I think Abraham was an example of, of just giving his whole heart to God. Everything that he had, there wasn't anything left. And when he was finished, there was nothing left. He said, Lord, this is it. I'm serving you. I'm going on for you. I'm giving my life to you. We had a lady that was saved in our church. Her name is Azuma. And uh, she 
was a, a lady that uh, her daughter married a military guy. The military guy was not saved, neither was the, the daughter. Uh, they, somebody from Maranatha ran into him, this military guy, and led him to the Lord. And then his wife, and I don't know why they do this, but all these Americans hook up with Japanese people and they can't talk. They can't talk to them. I'm like, how do you communicate? You know, it's bad enough in English when you can communicate, right? With, this guy doesn't know any Japanese and she barely knows any English. She knows enough to say hi or I love you, you know, or whatever. And then they fall in love, you know, but they get married. <clears throat> so he, uh, he, after he got saved, he, he wanted to see his wife saved. So he brought us, her to our church because we were connected, you know, with Maranatha pretty good. So they, he brought her over there. She got saved. And then she brought her mom to church. And then, then her mom got saved. And uh, I was preaching, and, and they were both, we both baptized them both. And then uh, one day she, I was preaching about idols. And she said, you know, she said, Pastor, what should I do with my idols? I said, well, you need to bring them to church. And she said, why? I said, we bring them to church, and then we're going to burn them up. She said, really? I said, yeah. And so that went on for a couple weeks. One Sunday morning, she comes to church. She has a big carload of stuff. All her idols, and we call it Butsudan. She brought that all. And uh, she brought it to church. She said, Pastor, I brought everything to church. I said, what? Oh, I brought all my idols, my Butsudan, and all, all the things, that, you know, with idol worship and ancestor worship. And she said, I brought it. What are we going to do with it? I said, take it up on top of the building. So we have concrete buildings in Japan, in Okinawa, because of the typhoon. So the, the roof is flat, and uh, we had a wall up about three and a half feet up all the way around the building. We put it all in the center of the building after church. We went up there, poured a little kerosene on it, lit it on fire like that. I probably shouldn't have done that, right? I mean, it was right in the middle of town, and, you know, there's apartments all around. People were probably watching. Who knows? But we had a great time. And, uh, you know, it's really strengthened her. Oh, she, she got so strong and serving God and just loving God. And it was a great time. But she realized that she had to give her heart to God, her whole heart. And that was getting rid of her idols, getting rid of the things in her, in her life that kept her from serving a God truly the way he, he wanted her to serve. So she, she was willing to do that. We need to get rid of some things in our life that give God our heart, whatever it is, I don't know. It might be something that you uh, harbor in your life. <clears throat> Maybe it's something that you desire more than serving God or desire more than what God has for you. But we need to say, Lord, I want to give you my heart. I'm, I want to serve you the, by the, the best way I can and do the best things I can. And as we do that, uh, as Abraham did, God blessed him in a great way. And, and, you know, we need to say, Lord, help me. God called him, what, in James, he called him the friend of God. I, I'd like to be called the friend of God. That'd be a great privilege just to be called a friend of God. Somebody that desires to know God's will and desires to know God, uh, God's heart. You pray that God will show you his heart and show you the things that uh, you need in your life to get things straightened out in your life. But Abraham, uh, it says in, in Romans about Abraham, it says he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. He had faith, didn't he? And as a Christian, we need to go forward by faith. It might seem like we're bucking up against a brick wall, or we might be going against something that uh, we can't make it to the end, but God will take care of us, right? And we need by faith just to keep on serving God, and so give your heart to God the best that you can. The third, fourth thing is that we need by faith, we need to sacrifice all to God. Sacrifice all to God. 
Abraham did that in verses 6 to uh, 10. It says there that when he took the wood and, and everything and took Isaac up there in verse 8, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide him a lamb for a burnt offering, so that they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hands and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He was willing to sacrifice it all to God. He believed that God would raise up a a new son or raise up Isaac again. Uh, That way he could go down off the mountain with him. Uh, That's faith. That's faith. We're trusting God that by faith, uh, people are going to reach in countries all over the world. We're trusting uh, by faith that God was going to raise up people. We need to sacrifice it all. We're the building that we're in, and Pastor Gilbert's seen it, Brother Godfrey's seen it, Brother Harris has seen it. Uh, we got, we had, uh, I had a, a guy in my church that was a very charismatic type person that, you know, everybody was drawn to him. He could teach well. He, he led the singing. He was very talented. He started teaching some stuff that I didn't agree with, and I told him he couldn't do that. And he said, well, um, I, I, he says, I'll pray about it. I said, no, you don't have to pray about it. You're not going to do it. And he said, well, I'll pray about if I'm going to stay in church or not. And so the next uh, Wednesday, he came back and he said, uh, I can't stay here anymore. At that time, we were running about 40 people in our church. <clears throat> he, saw, he decided to leave, leave the church. And because of influence, people started leaving, uh, you know, one at a time. We got down to... to uh, moving to a different location where we're going to build our building. This is before we built our building. And uh, we had some money set aside. There was still probably about 20, 25 people left out of the 40. And so we were planning on building a building. We had money in the bank. Everything was going fine and dandy, we thought. We ended up uh, then deciding to get a hold of an architect and then get a hold of a builder and try to get uh, the lease of steel. Uh, and the, con- the concrete work and the steel work up and then get somebody, some contractor that would work with us and sign us off that we could do the rest of the work ourselves. So basically, uh, even electrical and plumbing and everything, we did we did it all ourselves in the end, but <clears throat> we got a contractor that would do that. And so we sat down with the architect, got everything done, and he said you need to put a certain amount of money down, and at about that time, we were wondering what was going on and uh, what God wanted us to do. And here, uh, we didn't... Uh, the real the guy that we're renting our facility from, the real estate guy, he called me up and he said, hey, you had not paid your rent for a couple months. I said, really? I said, the treasurer was supposed to pay that. He said, no, he hasn't paid it. So I went to the treasurer, asked him. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure I paid it. I, I'm pretty sure I did. I got the receipt someplace around here. I said, well, bring them to me. He never did. A few weeks went by. The realtor calls again. He said, now you, you owe another month's rent. So we owe three months' rent. I said, uh, I told the guy, the treasurer, I said, we need to, you know, check things out. He said, oh, I think somebody scammed our, or got into our account. And I said, well, that's, that's kind of unusual. How come you didn't tell me this before? So he set up an appointment at the, at the bank that we could go in there and talk to him and find out what was going on with our money. And I didn't have any of the materials. I didn't know the, what, you know, I didn't have the bank book. I didn't have a cash card. I had nothing. And so he had all that, and he did all every month, you know, every month he put down on the, the financial report, what we had in the bank, and all that kind of stuff. So we set up an appointment. We're getting ready to go to the bank. I said, Sunday, you bring all the stuff, and then Monday, we're going to the bank. He said, okay. Saturday night, uh, he had a fire in his car. 
all the stuff he says, the bank book, all the reports, you know, financial, everything was all burnt up. And uh, he inhaled smoke trying to put the fire out. I personally think he said it, but I, I, don't, I can't prove that. The police and the fire department couldn't prove it either, but it happened in the middle of the night, like 2 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> and so because he inhaled a bunch of smoke, he went into the hospital. And so we went then the next day to the bank. Dan and I actually went to the bank and uh, contacted a guy that he told us we were supposed to meet with. So we asked the, for that guy. He wasn't, he wasn't even at that bank. The guy wasn't even there. And so that bank uh, manager, he said, I think you should go to the branch that, where you put all your deposit, all your money. So we went there. I went to the teller or the manager there, and I said, uh, told who I was, showed her my ID and everything. She said, uh, the count's in your name. I said, yes, but I don't have any kind of proof or anything. I have nothing you know, with the count. <clears throat> so she said, I can go look for you because I had my stamp, income. We have a stamp that we stamp things and I had all my IDs and, and everything. She went and got, she said, I can give you three months, but that's all I can give you. So she went and got three months worth of statements, brought them to me. She said, this is your statement. I looked at it and we had $7 in the bank, 700 yen. That was it. We were supposed to have over $70,000 in the bank. We had $7. And I looked at that and I'm like, I looked at Dan and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is unbelievable. And I, I, I was just dumbfounded. So we, she said, I can give you the uh, history. If you pay some money, I'll give you a history five, year, five years back if you want. I said, yeah, why don't you do that? Give me all the uh, history five, seven years back uh, of this account. And so well, I had to pay some stuff, and, and she's going to do that. But we went back. We, did, we were looking at different things. He embezzled all of our money. We were going to build a building. We were paying a guy a bunch of money, twenty, thirty thousand dollars down to get started on the building. We had no money, and I said to my son Dan, "I said, there's no, we can't build a building." He said, "I'm sure we can, Dad." He said, "Don't you believe by faith that God wanted us to start this project?" And I looked at him. I said, "I did. You know, that's what I thought." But now we have seven dollars. We owe three thousand dollars in rent. Now we owe utility money. We have all kinds of bills. I said, where are we going to get that money? He said, by faith. God's going to supply that money. So we decided that we were going to go ahead with it, with our $7. And money just started coming in from all kinds of places. God just started supplying money that you wouldn't believe. We paid our, all our rent off. We paid all our bills off. Money started coming in. A friend of mine called me from Minnesota. He said to me, Dan... Did you get that offering that I sent? I said, no. He said, I sent you an offering, and uh, I'll have to check with BMI. He said, I'll check with BMI, get back with you. I said, okay, you do that. He went to, called up BMI, BMI and he said, uh, I, I sent this money into Dan Gardner. What happened to it? They checked it out, and they sent to it to the wrong missionary. So he called me back. He said, Dan, uh, they're going to get it straightened out. They're going to send you the money, and uh, you'll be getting it pretty soon. He said, and by the way, do you know how much it is? I said, no. He said, $50,000. I said, $50,000? He said, yeah, $50,000. You know who they sent it to? Rick Martin. <laughs> he was probably ready to shoot me after they took it out of his account and gave it to me. But if I had that, had that money before that point, my treasurer would have probably embezzled it all. 
But God wanted us to step out on faith saying, this is what you need to do, Dan. You need to go forward, and you need to keep on going. You know, three months later, that same guy sent me another 50000 And he's a cabinet maker. He, he works by himself. He doesn't have a lot of money. But he sent me $100,000. Our building costs about $600,000 because we did a lot of the work ourselves. It's probably worth a million and a half. It's totally paid for right now. Totally paid for. We built that building in 2009. You know, God can do it. I believe it. God just supplied our needs by faith. Faith means to step out. If we give our heart to God, if we sacrifice all, sometimes we don't realize what total sacrifice is. But God can take care of the needs that we have. And God supplies all the needs, and he, he does all the things that we cannot do ourselves. And as we look to God, it says here that God supplied Abraham. He said, Abraham said in Hebrews that he believed that God would uh, raise up his son by faith, raise up our son. The last thing I want to tell you is that by faith, of course, by God's faith, he made the divine sacrifice for us on the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ gave it all. He died for us that we could have life. What a great privilege that we have to someday be with Jesus, God, for eternity. What a privilege that's going to be. We're going to be able to sit around and, uh, you know, worship God, sing praises. We'll all have good voices at that time and be able to sing. And Lord, take care of us all. Ephesians, of course, talks about, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't boast about it. God did it. And God gave his son the true sacrifice of his son on the cross of Calvary that we might have eternal life. One last thing I'm going to tell you, one last story, actually. One of the girls, ladies in our church, one of the girls, when we first went to Japan, we, we couldn't speak Japanese. I couldn't count to ten. I, I was so ignorant. I was so ignorant, I didn't know I shouldn't be there. <clears throat> you know, But God sent us there. I started in language school. I was working with another missionary, Jim Norton. He said, Dan, do you want to do something? I said, I'll do anything you want. It doesn't matter. He said, okay, I want you to pick up kids on Sunday morning for Sunday school. I said, how am I going to do that? I can't talk. He said, we're going to go out on Saturdays, and we're going to go to the parks, and we're going to front of schools, and we're going to invite kids to come to Sunday school, and then I'm going to tell them that you're going to be here at a certain time on Sunday morning at this spot, and they need to wait here, and you'll pick them up. I said, okay, sounds good. So I got this van from him, eight-passenger Dedica. It's kind of Toyota and Dedica kind of worked together. They had the same kind of body style. And I went to the first stop that Sunday morning, and there was like five or six kids standing there. So I opened the door, and there was a few words I knew. Dozo. That sounds kind of like bozo. And that's how, kind of how I felt. I said, dozo. And uh, I knew kyokai. And so they got in. And I cut, shut the door. I went to the next stop. Same thing. Bunch of kids standing there. I opened the door. I said, dozo. They got in. They, they rode on my van. And then I went to one more stop. And by then, I, you know, I already have more than the limit in the van. There's 12 kids in there. And then five more, six more got in. There's like 18 of them. I'm driving. And they're yakking at me, and I'm thinking, they're probably saying, let me out. I don't want to go to Sunday school. This wasn't my plan this morning. <laughs> I wasn't planning on going with some foreigner, some guy gene someplace. But I took them all to church. And a couple of girls that got saved were sisters. And then they started coming every week. I'd pick them up every week. 
they got to where they wanted to be baptized. They were in sixth grade, fifth and sixth grade, and they wanted to get baptized. We talked to their parents, and they said, sure. They came to, the parents came to church, and we baptized them. Their name is Nakamura, the family name. Nico is her, her name, Nakamura. And so <laughs> we, got, we uh, baptized them. Then his, her dad is a traffic controller. So they sent him to, up to some other place. And I didn't even know at that time. We were working the mainland, right? He was a traffic controller in the Tokyo airport. They sent him to Okinawa. So God called us to Okinawa in 81. We went down there. I didn't even remember the Nakamura's were there, but Brother Norton said to me, have you contacted the Nakamura's? I said, I don't know where they live or their address or telephone number. He said, I, I have it. I'll give it to you. So he gave me the address, telephone number. I went down to see the Nakamura's. I knocked on the door. They came, and by this time now I can speak. So we, we carried on a conversation. They were excited to see me. They were going to come to church the next Sunday. They didn't come. Sunday came, they didn't come. I went back the next week, did the same thing. Talked to them. They were excited. They were going to come to church. They didn't come. I kept going back. They were probably saying, I wish this guy would just fall off the end of the island and leave us alone. Because every time I'd go back knock on the door, they'd look out there, little people, and see me standing there. And I just kept at them. Finally, Nico, the oldest, started coming to church. Real faithful. Oh, just real faithful. Started getting a real burden to, to reach her parents and just wanted to do something for God. And so she uh, became really faithful in church, went off to Bible college, graduated from Bible college. Her parents didn't want her to go. They weren't Christians. So they said, no, we don't want you. But she said, she said I want to go to, to Bible college. She went off to Bible college and then, after that, uh, she, she married a guy that was in another Bible college, and she became a pastor's wife. That's where she is right now. She's a pastor's wife with some kids and, uh, that she has and her husband and their faithful ministers there in Japan, mainland Japan. A couple of years ago, I was invited to speak at a, a conference or a, a dedication, five, a 50-year anniversary of a, of a church. I went up. It was up in Tokyo, and I've been up in that area, and I helped add some things onto that church. That's why they asked me to come. I added onto their auditorium twice. So I went up there, and uh, we got in the bill, in the, the service there. And I didn't tell you that her sister uh, didn't come really faithfully, but she came once in a while, but then she went to America to go, go to university, stayed in, in America, and uh, ended up marrying a, a man in, in America that we didn't know anything about at that point. But her parents also got saved uh, later on in our church. So uh, we were excited about that, and she was, she was always praying for him. She just prayed and prayed and prayed that God would save her mom and dad. But So we went to this meeting, and uh, we went and walked in the back of the church, and as we were waiting went in the church, in walks uh, a lady and her husband, and they looked kind of familiar, but I didn't know really who they were. And, and Terry says, that's Nico's sister, the one that went to America. I said, it is? She said, yeah, and that's her husband. And they came in, and we started talking and found out that she had invited him to church in America. He got saved, and then she, she married him. Her name was Nakamura, right? His name was Nakamura, so she didn't have to change her name when she got married. Stayed the same. He, his Japanese company transferred him back to Tokyo. He came back there, was, and they had start, joined that church, and I didn't even know it. They joined that church. A couple minutes later, Liko who's married to the pastor, come in with her, her husband and her kids. And then her mom and dad came in that had been saved. The whole family, three generations of Christians. Now, because one little girl basically had a burden to reach her family, 
with the gospel, and she reached them all. She reached them all. You know, if we sacrifice enough for God, God's going to take care of those things uh, what, that are needed. It's not necessarily, it's not us, but it's God. It's not what we can do. God's not going to ask you to do something you can't do. I thought he did when he called me to Japan. He asked me to do something I couldn't do. I couldn't learn Japanese. But God allowed me to be able to speak Japanese. Maybe not as well as some others, but I, but I, can, get, I can preach and I can talk in Japanese. But I'm thankful for that. And we can do something because God called us to do it. We need to be willing to sacrifice our lives for God just like God gave his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for us. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. That's the message we need to get out. Let's bow forward